Today's show is sponsored by, yep, you guessed it, The Athletic, a subscription-based sports news site for real fans. Through in-depth coverage by local riders on every team in your city, uh, and for Penguins fans, that includes Josh Yowie, Jesse Marshall, Sean Gentilly, and Michael's personal biographer, Rob Rossi. The Athletic also has a stable of riders to make numbers digestible and relatable to what happens on the ice. The Athletic is setting a new standards for sports news. There are no ads, pop-ups, or clickbait. Just great sports writing that tells the story behind the story. Get exclusive player profiles, Rob Rossi, uh, team power rankings, and fantasy sports insights you won't find anywhere else. Each subscriber gets a personalized feed of stories, live writer Q&As, podcasts, and more. Just download the Athletic app, pick your favorite teams, and the Athletic will begin surfacing all the latest and greatest players and storylines that matter to you. Are you ready to get started? For 40% off your yearly subscription to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash hockeyhurts. That's athletic.com slash hockeyhurts. Now, mine just resubscribed. So if you can go and get this and get 40% off, I would recommend you do it because 40% is quite good. And you guys don't have to deal with any conversion rates. Just remember, guys, these guys have got stories with substance. Quality, in-depth content that goes beyond the box score. Exclusive content, good analysis with advanced stats, in-depth analysis and insights. Uh, just remember, they have exclu- exclusive stories from their sports writers. Best thing, though, it's clutter-free. No pop-up ads. No autoplay video. You get control of what you're doing. That's pretty much all you can ask for. Just remember, guys, for 40% off for your yearly subscription to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash hockeyhurts. That's theathletic.com slash hockeyhurts. Don't forget the the at the end. And uh, back to regular scheduled programming. Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for December 6th of 2019. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh, HockeyHurts.com. This week we will be talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins. We will be talking about potential trade targets, specifically uh, quite a big one. Um, We'll have some discussion about all the injuries the Penguins have been dealing with, the goaltending situation, and... As we are recording the podcast, Phil Kessel is is back in town playing the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, for the first time since being traded to the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, I think last game he actually had two goals against the Flyers, so he's still beaten up on the Flyers, even though he's not a Penguin. So, <laughs> uh, um, I think we'll start by talking um, kind of... About Evgeny Malkin, yes? Yes, because, like you said, trade targets, Gino has proven. You give him an elite winger, he can still perform like he did in his mid-20s. Not that he was really off the boil from the mid-20s over the last couple of years, but with Sid out, he gets Gensel, and all of a sudden, all these people are like, oh, wow, maybe Gino isn't, you know, past his elitism. And uh, he never really has been. It's just that... He gets tools to be great, and he can still perform. It, it, it's can they just do it so that there's two elite wingers with two elite centers, and away you go. Yeah, um, 
I think I'm in the minority with a lot of uh, people from last year that thought Gino needed to be better, and I viewed it as the Penguins letting him down, playing him, stapling Jack Johnson to him, and, you know, even not just last year, it really does feel like Gino always gets the scraps. And when I wrote about Taylor Hall, who we'll discuss in a little bit, I, I was discussing it because I think it's they need to get Gino somebody of that caliber, or at least somebody of Jake Gensel's caliber, so that he can the team can get the best out of him because they never truly commit to him the way they do Sid. And I know it's tough with two elite centers and the cap and the assets that it takes to do that, but I really don't think they've ever made a solid effort with that because even Phil Kessel was for Sid first. It, Sid always gets first refusal, put it that way. And, th- and that, look, that legitimately makes sense. But they don't have to find someone for Sid right now, do they? They've got someone there in Gensel. Or maybe they do. Well, <laughs> maybe Gino says, uh, no Jakey back, Sid. Sorry. Correct. Either way, though, finding an, you say this with that asterisk slash caveat over everything you've just said. It's not easy to acquire these types of players. There are not 60 of them floating around in the league. Do you know what I mean? So you've got to try and pick and choose who you take and what the risk is in regards of taking that person. And even talking about Phil, Phil ended up being at his best on his own line anyway when he was with Pittsburgh. At least that's the way I felt when when he was playing on that third line and it, it gave Pittsburgh, you know, three-line scoring threat as an option. But the way this particular roster's built out... I think you just go for two dominating scoring lines, have a line that you pray breaks even, and another one you barely play. And that's kind of how it works. If you get Crosby and Malkin as a one-two punch, as Pittsburgh fans know, there are very few teams in the league that have two pairs of defensemen that you would be really happy going up against a top lineup like that. Pittsburgh certainly don't have that when they're all healthy. So... You just you force the other team to react to you rather than the other way around where you're reacting to them. So the question is like you know you wrote a good piece about Taylor Hall being the kind of guy that you would like to go to. It would be great. I couldn't give it's a gonna, toss. It's, it's going to be tough. There's yeah. going to be plenty of teams that have a better asset pool. But I I I think my larger point is try. Yeah. And, and I couldn't care in Pittsburgh's situation this year if they gave up. Uh, future assets and maybe one roster player for Taylor Hall only for the rest of this year. Because whoever we give up roster player-wise, Hall will cover that gap substantially. Yeah. Um, the other thing before we move on to him with, with Malkin is, you know, we have that 2011-12 season to look at when he did get the top resources of Kunitz and Neal. Um, because when I wrote that Hall piece, I had people... Uh, saying that it's not true that Sid always gets first refusal. And, you know, Chris Kunitz wasn't on Malkin's line until Chris Kunitz wasn't Chris Kunitz anymore. James Neal only got there after Sid picked Dupuis. Yeah, it was Sid's decision. You're right. And, you know... It's in Gensel, of course, is the is the current. I, I, he's the current Chris Kunitz in the sense that nobody thinks he's like a star player, but he's really good. 
I don't think stylistically they're similar. No, um, they're not. But my point being, like, it's it's a great complementary winger that has is very good hockey IQ, and Gensel's a better scorer. I mean, he's a career 16% shooter, 230 games into his career. That's elite. Yeah, it, it truly is. So everybody's like, Gensel isn't shit without Sid. Well, you know, seems to be doing fine with Malkin, and Malkin seems to be doing fine with him. So, and, and Brian Rust is currently on a, well, he got hurt, but he was on a ridiculously hot streak scoring goals with on the right wing for Malkin. So, and Malkin did not, has not been playing a lot with Jack Johnson, whereas last year that was the thing. Yeah. And, you know, people get tired of hearing about it, but gee, what happened to Gino? The GM called him out and he worked out harder. And it's like, yeah, maybe he did work out hard and the GM certain, certainly called him out. I don't think he needed Jim Rutherford to, to give him motivation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but like you said, his output last year wasn't terrible. No, and considering who he had to play with, absolutely not. The, so, the issue, all players like Malcolm Crosby, McDavid, all those sorts of guys, as soon as they go off their peak scoring years, they're always set against that bar, which you kind of get. They're getting paid a truckload of money, and you need them to perform at a certain level. But Gino's, you know, 33 now. He's not going to score at 1.25, 1.3 points a game for the rest of his career. But if he gives you 1 to 1.15, <clears throat> piss off if you're going to say he's underperforming. So... Yeah, he's... Um... Uh, what did I look at? He he was top three or four in points per sixty at even strength in the in the entire league. Yeah, yeah. Just they just need to give him some assets, um, and that's not to say that, that they don't know that. It just always feels like he's second in the pecking order, which you know you, you always understand. But people shouldn't be surprised when Crosby's out injured and Malcolm does get the required tools around him. He suddenly. Looks like Gino Machino from his early 20s. So, you know. But even the cup years, like Max Talbot is this winger. And I know Max had the game seven, but he's he's not a top six winger. <laughs> Scott no. Wilson was, was one of them on the, another run. But it is, it is one of those arguments with players like Crosby, Malkin, and all the elite centers in the league, is you can make players that have a brain produce more than you would expect so they can play up the lineup there's a legit argument that you can almost put anybody on crosby's line even at this age in crosby's career and they will still produce points oh man sorry they're doing the anthem for the penguins game and they got the little uh like the youth skater that came out yeah pretty cool moment for a kid right in front of the whole arena except he's gotta go talk to jack johnson Poor bastard gets lined up with Jack fucking Johnson and a whole <laughs> string of players. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Come on, Penguins. Do the kid. Do right by the kid. Just put him next to Phil. Yeah, put him on the other blue line. <laughs> Sorry. Couldn't help it. Uh, anywho. Um, so, I, you know, I don't think we need to elaborate much more on the thought process of wanting Malkin to have another 
winger. So who could that be? I think the biggest fish in the pond is Taylor Hall, and he's awesome, and he is 28 years old. Oh, wouldn't you know it? How old was Phil when they traded for him? 28. 28. So it's, they have comparatively similar reputations about what they are as players as well. Eh, I don't agree. I think Hall's better. No, no, no. I, I mean in regards to the culture around the player themselves. I, I think Hall is a better player, but you hear about when he got the ass out of Edmonton and then some of the things you start hearing about his time in New Jersey. I, I know when um, things sour, obviously, Management leaked to the media, and, and obviously uh, management-friendly media like to try and make sure that management get the good end of the stick with the story. You think about what happened to Phil in Boston, didn't work hard enough. Toronto, didn't work hard enough. when he was. I think with Boston more so, they got a deal they couldn't pass up. understand that, absolutely. Um, but it feels like Taylor Hall kind of has the same stigma floating around him that I, I don't think is, is justified. I but don't know. Doesn't he have a gold medal? Yeah. Doesn't Phil have a silver medal that wasn't really his fault? No, I understand that. I, I just think Taylor Hall's been in even worse situations. Edmonton is worse than Toronto was. Yep. New Jersey, minus the one playoff year, um, is worse than what Toronto was. I just think you put him into a winning environment, and he showed that. Oh, no, he... no, yes, okay, point taken. And it's the, same thing. it's the same thing with Kessel. Put him in an environment where he can win, and he has got skill sets that are great. Every player has negatives, and I think Kessel and Hall both have the whole they play in one direction only at times sort of reputation, which I think is a load of garbage. Put, him, put Hall in a situation like Pittsburgh or, heaven forbid, back in Edmonton, and you get a completely different output from that player. I personally think Hall is elite in ways Kessel isn't with the transition and possession and all that other stuff. Absolutely. Um, he is an excellent target for many teams. And it's going to be tough to get, and I understand that. But one reason to be mildly optimistic is you look at the Eric Carlson trade and teams who are struggling to move like a key piece, like sometimes you don't always get what you want. No, and, and it wasn't like it was like one team going after Carlson either. Like San Jose was one of many and Pittsburgh will be one of many attempting to to be a part of it, and you usually think that in that case it's a seller's market, but people have still got to be able, still got to be willing to give up what you're after. <laughs> yeah, and I think there is uh, opportunity for the Penguins to get an aggressive deal in there, and I think a lot of people might be apprehensive for it uh, because you're talking about. I think a lot of people will want. Alex Galchenyuk to be part of that, but I, New Jersey has no use for Correct. an underachieving pending UFA. So I don't like that. Would if you want to move Galchenyuk, that's fine. We'll talk about that later. But you're talking about a Brian Rust. Correct. That that's the negative of of having to throw a player specifically, in specifically. Yeah. Did Cheryl not draft him? Hey, he was a part of the Cheryl era. You're right. So, 
there's like an active player, cost efficient. Um, you're you're definitely talking about a first round pick, but you know my thoughts on yeah. that. I, I don't care at this point. Maybe four years ago, you could have balanced short and long term, but I don't think it's it's pointless right now to do that. Like no, they were that balance it four years ago. Rutherford already went like four years in a row without a first round pick or whatever he did, and those first round picks would be ready to go now. Yeah, that's and... where the short sightedness becomes a problem. Gino didn't just bust an ankle, did he? Um, he slid into the wall. He no, he's good. Broke his um, skate. So it's past the point of no return. Fuck the first round pick. Trade yeah. it. It's yeah. Taylor goddamn Hall. And Kalen Addison, Sam Poulin, Nate Laguerre. I know fans love these names, but fans of teams overrate their prospects and their value. And maybe some of them turn out to be good NHL players, and I'm here to say I don't care. Because they're not going to be good NHL players when Crosby and Malkin need them. Yeah, and that—that that, it's the clock that you're fighting against now, literally, isn't it? Like that—that's where you're at. And you know, people will be like, "Well, I don't want to pay a lot for a rental." Okay, well, I'm sure Ray Shero will let you talk to him. Make it not a rental, and sign him. And yeah, it's going to be like nine and a half mil. Okay, there's dead weight on this roster. Get rid of it. Sorry, Rutherford, like Patrick Hornquist. See ya. Rather been a good soldier, but telling him see ya is really hard. I'm just saying there, there is legitimate avenue for them to go down. Correct. You are to right. try and make an assertive effort to get a hell of a player. And, you know, Jack Johnson, haha, like, I get it. That one's going to be tough to move. But Nick Bugstad, easy to move. See ya. Might not be in that deal, but that's easy money to move. Galchenyuk, easy enough to move. Uh, so cap space this year is a non factor. Um, trying to think who else they are so. they are movable assets that you could move to create space for a deal post this year as well you are right so it's not literally just about trying to squeeze him into the cap now it's those assets are movable to make it possible to have him on the roster next year so or and beyond quite clearly so it's doable as much as you and i do give Rutherford flack for some of his decisions, he can make some good choices to get himself out of holes that he made. And we have made that point before. Yeah, I, I don't like giving him too much credit because he's always doing it. <laughs> but, and his other his other strength, being bold. A Taylor Hall trades right in his avenue. Yeah, it, yeah. you can't say he, he only does things by half. He, he does have next, a crack. This is the next Phil Kessel trade. It's there. Yep. Try it, and it's not like Sherrow and Rutherford don't make deals. They have. Um, the the famous Bo Bennett trade. <laughs> <laughs> the Jordan Stoll trade. <sighs> oh, yeah. Yes, yes, of course. Um, so I think Hall would be wonderful to 
play with either Crosby or Malkin. Of course, you'd have to confer with Sid to make sure who he wants. Um, I, I say that tongue in cheek, but <laughs> I think it, okay. So in this perfect world where they get Taylor Hall, Sid cannot hoard both him and Gensel. Uh, no, I, I would suggest that you know what you've got with Gensel and Sid, so you'd play Hall with Sid to begin with, and if it clicks, you know that Gensel works with Malkin, so just keep it there, because they are actually playing well chemistry-wise this year. Pretty sure Hall and Sid played in a world championship team together, oh, yeah. and on the same line, so... Yeah. So yeah, you, you know what you're getting with Juno and, and Gensel right now? And it's working. So if it ever came about, once Sid's back, you go, yep, let's grab him, throw him on there. And uh, if it works, you don't have to change anything else. You just let it ride. And furthermore, it, this is an entertainment product. You are <laughs> yes, getting another point. entertaining player. And I think I was reading from Josh Yoey, um, you know, he compared the Penguins to the Lakers. And it's tough to argue with the star power and how they've gone about collecting these um, players you want to watch. And Taylor Hall is exactly one of those players, at least for me. Oh, yeah. And I personally, selfishly, want Taylor Hall to play on a good team. Because his career's been wasted so far. And somebody gave me shit for saying that. And... I'm sorry, what's your counterpoint to, to that? Because he's like the f- number one overall pick whisperer. That's not good. That means no. his team has decent odds every single year to get the first pick overall. Like, it's a funny kind of ha-ha joke, but at the same time, is it? Yeah. Do you get there at some point and say there is something wrong with how he plays that gets them down there? Well, it ain't Hall. Well, that's the argument you make, isn't it? I mean, it would be so stupid to argue that Taylor Hall is the issue at play here. He's an MVP caliber player and has been for some time. He's just had such the, the worst situations. Gets drafted by Edmonton. They blame him. He, they finally get a center for him to play with, and they move him for a fucking borderline second-pairing defenseman, and they move him to Jersey. It's like they were going out of their way to piss him off because they were <laughs> quite happy to blame him. So he's never had a, a run at things the way he should, and I think Pittsburgh is one team that could be that. However, there are certainly other teams like Colorado that I think are a great landing spot for him too. So, you know... I don't think this is like Pittsburgh's for the taking. Oh, God, no. We, we both know that. <laughs> I'm bringing it up because there's an opportunity. I think it fits a, a need they have. Some people might want the uh, to shore up the defenseman, but I think this time they um, could have... I, it's it's interesting... Umalin Latang is not a terrible top. No, player. I was literally about to say they could almost get by if they put Johnson as a third pairing with what they've got. And you, you sit there and go, that'll do for the year, and then they have to work out other stuff. But for this year, they could get by with that top four. And you still got John Marino as, as a 
technical five. And if his ascension continues, you can just let Schultz walk. Oh, look, more money for a big contract. Yeah. Well, we've said before, we don't want anything to do with Schultz's contract next next year. Anyway. I don't think the team does either. Which is good. Which is a good realization. So, I think... I think I think it's could be done. So I'll leave it at that. We'll see what the rumors do. I forget who had the Penguins on one of the teams for Taylor Hall. Somebody did actually have the Penguins on there, and I'm sorry that I can't remember um, who that was. It was a few days ago. But speaking of money, um, we can shift to another big contract that the Penguins might have to navigate, <laughs> and that is of Matt Murray. Are you Easy question to start with, yes or no. Are you worried about his play long term? Um, no, not necessarily. He's not playing good right now, though, by no. any stretch. And oh. him not playing good right now and him, I, I don't know how many people realize, he, he is still an RFA. Yes. So he doesn't have UFA leverage, which I think is a big deal, which means the Penguins can take him to arbitration. And that might be the play. Sure, you might have to pay him a lot of money, but it's a one or two year deal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you're saying. It's Because you don't want to... I... You don't want to get in a seven-year, eight million, seven or seven mil, eight million dollar contract. You don't because... need a flurry contract. You really don't. No, or or a Cam Ward one, another. Well, like it's the correct general manager for that. Both of them. Yeah, no. Rutherford gave Flurry that four-year extension coming off of some really crappy years and gave him a no-movement clause. What was the leverage? Nobody in the league was looking for Flurry at that point. No, he was he was negotiating He's always been loyal himself. to his goalies, and I think a little bit has to do with the fact he is a goalie. Correct. And, you know, I would use the leverage if Murray continues to falter. Um, I would use arbitration as a leverage. Well, they'll probably take both to arbitration, I'd say. Both? Him and Jari, they're both RFAs. Oh, Jari won't need to. Jari has very little leverage. He does, unless he saves the season. Even so, he's got, what, less than 50 games played? Yep. No, I agree. That's not going to happen. Because Matt Murray had two fucking Stanley Cups and got a $4 million contract. Yeah, I just you know what I mean. Like, yeah, no, no. Look, you are correct. There is more leverage on one of those are, than the other. Back to the tall thing. Jersey's got some real bad goaltending issues, and uh, guess who drafted Jari? Uh, Mr. Shiro again. Um, so there is some attractive bait. I suppose that this is the thing. Like you know how you're talking about wanting to shore up the defense and. De Smith, after having a ridiculously bad start to the year because he was shattered, he was back down in Wilkesbury Scranton, has turned the corner and is actually being the kind of defenseman that you would, uh, kind of goalie that you want. Oh, now, Toronto, yeah, De Smith. So quite clearly, Toronto need a backup goalie. If you couldn't, if you couldn't nab Hall, would you be happy to go and try and nab 
uh, Tyson Barry because quite clearly it wasn't working under Babcock. It might change now that it's under Shane Oh, it Keith. changed. He scored three goals the first three I, games, I, I think. I get it. But would they be willing to pass or to give up Barry for a goalie? They need a backup. No, no. not. You no. reckon they're not going to? All right, then. No, Babcock, terrible person and coach. and the, No. They Kyle Dubas traded for Barry in mind to do the things Barry does well. And, and that he is now actually doing well. <laughs> so that was maybe a consideration. That is long gone. Yeah, that sucks. You need to be quick on some of these things. Um, yeah, the Leaf should have been quicker. <laughs> True, actually. So um, I think... Uh, you know, the Penguins have two good backups. I think Matt Murray has shown a larger sample of being good. He is coming off a shutout uh, Wednesday night. Right? That was Jerry. That was Jerry. Was it? I swear it was Jerry. Don't ask me. Um, I was actually in Pittsburgh. I was actually staying at an Airbnb on Forbes Avenue right behind the rink. I did not see a minute of that game. <laughs> Bigger uh, fish to fry that night. Priorities, I like it, I like it a lot. Um, yeah, had a good time at uh, Pitt Basketball's arena. No basketball played that night, but good times had by all. So sorry if I don't know who, who got the shutout. I just know that it was a shutout. I heard the, yeah, it was Jerry. Penguins, played, the Penguins played quite well. Yeah, it was so. Jerry. You had me second-guessing myself there. I'm like, no, no, I swear it was Jerry. I don't think yeah, I did. Just to make sure I'm not going <laughs> like an idiot. It's okay. um, it's one of those things where I try to. I said earlier in the year that I think they need to play Jerry more anyway, just so Murray doesn't, you know, die in the ass later in the year. If you're gonna try, and he's against, playing well. There's no shame yes. in playing the backup who has a hot hand. It doesn't mean you got a controversy. Correct. That's exactly. It just right. means like the dude's playing well. You're rewarding him. It's load management for the other guy. The other guy's not playing well. It gives him a minute to to kind of think. And um, no, nothing wrong with any of it. Murray's numbers have really blown out. Like, he's at 2.87 and well under 900. And he had a decent start to the year, percentages. So he's really hit a wall at the moment. <laughs> yeah, he's playing like shit. <laughs> but, you know, I heard Ranger fans for years bitching about Lundqvist early in the year. Um, Fre- uh, Frederick Anderson of the Maple Leafs always has a f- hor- horrid October, and then sure enough, this November he's he's back being good again. Every goalie has a slump. Every goalie does. It just, he just happens to be running through his now, and yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's tough for me to ignore Murray. December to the end of last year, he was one of the best goalies in the league. Correct. So, ebbs and flows. You can't overreact to everything. No, that's right. And he wasn't he wasn't terrible in the playoffs, you know. So, you sit there with it and go, you just you just pray every team just prays that their goalie is playing well at the end of the year. That's all you can hope for because if they're not, they can really tank a really good season. And you hope that you got a competent guy backing up that you isn't a complete like yard sale. Yeah, and, and Pittsburgh right now do, which is a relief for them. And maybe two. 
That's because DeSmith they, was the goalie of the month for AHL. Yeah, and, and so if they can, if, if they can wangle something with him in it, um, it would really help their what they could get back the other way. I think. So I know we were talking about a roster forward for someone like Hall, but I'd actually forgotten about thinking about DeSmith, and, and you are right. If you can wangle him into the into the trade, it, it, you suddenly give yourself an opportunity to to get something you might not. Yeah, so, um, well, Phil, in town, they just did his first period, um, you know, commercial break celebration for him, pretty good. I think Gino came on the ice and gave him a fist bump, and he, he, he's... He hasn't been great for Arizona as if you if you just look at his offensive numbers which if we're being honest those matter more for a guy like him than maybe some others cuz he's never been correct. It, like he doesn't his course he's never been great his expected goals the last few years probably not great. Um but I did a little research on him today his his points per 60 at even strength is 0.9, which is like we That's make fun of Tanner Glass. And, uh, <laughs> okay, so being objective, that 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 is horrid. It's horrendous. Yep. And so, what's going on with Phil? And you know, I looked at his uh, Corsi and his expected goals, and they were both below 50. But uh, his Corsi was actually relative to his team, a positive 1.5 percent or something around there, and his expected goals was. Um, almost breaking even relative, but just slightly negative. Yeah. So compared to his teammates, he's he's not a drag. But then I looked at his um, goals for percentage, low 30s. And usually when you see something like that, you think, oh my gosh, the goalie must not be saving anything. Also not true. Goalie's yeah. at 915, which is below average for five on five. But not it certainly would not explain a th- it's not cratering that number. <laughs> so what is? It's believe it or not, it's the shooting percentage. He's got the lowest on ice shooting percentage, like in his teammates and him at four and a half percent of his career. Him individually at even strength is two percent and he's normally at eight. I, I think feel like he's taking a regression. I feel like he is one shooting less and two shooting from tighter angles because you think about his time in Pittsburgh a lot of his shots I don't think he was he's shooting to score I think he's shooting for rebounds a lot of the time and he shoots below the dots a lot trying to create bad angle rebounds well, and I don't think that helps because I I don't think he's got the skills around him to make the most of those particular shots. So I'd be curious to see how um, the Kessel Whisperer coach manages to work that out because he should be a candidate for regression. You're exactly right. I think I think he'll have a bounce back second half and everybody will claim working harder or whatnot and it'll just be shooting percentage got a little better. Now one thing that is a little bit worse. To, to your point that you just made, Arizona's a bottom five team in high danger chances per 60. So not only Phil getting less, but teammates. So his assists are not really going to add up because no. nobody's burying the chances. So 
We'll see. Arizona, it's not like Arizona's a bad team. They're they're, they're in winning. the playoff spot, I think. They're on top so, of the division. Th- I th- I think I think Phil's doing better than Galchenyuk, put it that way. Yeah, Pittsburgh have still lost the trade if you look at regards to just straight results. I agree with that. And you know, I, I just was never a fan of all right, you're sick of Phil. Okay, I get it a little bit. But the return has to make sense. And if it doesn't, everybody needs to act like an adult and make it work. Sit down and make it work. And I don't think that anybody was willing to do that. And so they got a pending UFA who was either going to play fine or better and command a lot of money that they put the Penguins in a bad spot to give a bad contract or walk away. Or the player would do what Gail Chenyuk's doing and underachieve. And even if he plays at like an 82-point season pace, he's still going to only get like 50 points this year. I, it's, I think what's disappointed me the most about Gail Chenyuk is that contract year, it just doesn't look like he's got... As he's gone down the lineup, as he's gone further and further down the line, it doesn't look like he's really concerned about it. Just with his on-ice play, it doesn't look like he's got any urgency about anything that he's trying to do. Quite clearly, the coaching staff have said to him, we want to see A, B, and C out of you before you go up the lineup. And it doesn't feel like either he knows how to do those things or kind of wants to do them anyway. And that, that's purely a visual thing, right? That's purely how it looks. So it could be completely wrong. He could be doing the things that they want, but hasn't really given him a chance to go up the lineup. No. And, you know, I believe I wrote at the time, you are getting a poor man's Phil Kessel. It's Phil Kessel lot, absolutely. So if he's not scoring, the same criticism I just laid on Phil for his .9 points per 60, there's not much to be had there. And when all the injuries went down and they're still not using Galchenyuk on the power play, you have to really ask yourself, what are we what are we doing here? And what we're doing here is we're adding another player to the old Rutherford trade a guy within a year of getting him. Yeah, that it, it definitely has that feel to it. it, it, it Bugestad being another one. There will be a lot of... If Pittsburgh, okay, so say Pittsburgh is safely in third or second spot in the division come deadline. Do you think Rutherford makes those decisions? Because I don't think he would. I think he'd just keep it, keep the team as is, which I, I which I think would be wrong. Honestly, so all this um, Hemming and Hahn about you know getting better. That the Penguins' underlying numbers are excellent this year. Yep. But I don't think any of it has to do with Nick Bugstad, who hasn't even like really played at all. Correct. So underlying numbers are right. They start actually winning some games because they get some saves and they get some players back and they start um, generating a few more goals. You can get there and say, like you said earlier, Bugstad is redundant technically right now. Hornquist is technically redundant. Apparently they want McCann as the third line center. And I can see why. And Rutherford and, you know, it's something he's done before. He did it with Rust indirectly when he talked about players being complacent. Uh, 
in that one of the Yoey articles, he basically called out Kachenyuk and said, I don't know if he's got, when things are healthy, I don't know if he's got a spot. Yeah. So I think the writing's on the wall there. But there doesn't look like there needs to be a Bukestad either. Like this no. team hasn't hasn't died in the ass without him in the lineup, right? Um, I don't doubt for one second that McCann was the eye of that trade more than Bukestad. Yeah, I think you're right in the money there. God, Jack Johnson, can you turn any wider? Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, I. There are assets there that feel redundant, and it would be good if they could be turned into acquiring a Taylor Hall. But I don't think those assets that are redundant right now are going to get you Taylor Hall. You no, have no, to give up. but the money you have to give up for the a rust. long term. Correct, absolutely. You look, I, it's one of those things where it would be good to, I reckon, throw throw those guys out of the lineup for the playoff run this year. It's. I feel like the Penguins are at the point now where. Every playoff run really matters. Getting knocked out in the first round last year was... Not, not a, even winning a game and not even playing your best lineup for three of the last or the last three games. Yeah, but you, you sit in that little bubble and you're like, well, that's one less crack now that they've got with these superstar players that they have. And so you can't get there and go, all right, if we keep these assets and then shift them in the offseason and get somebody in for the next year... You have no idea if somebody's going to get injured. You don't know that Crosby's not going to get what he got this year. You, you just you, you play so much risk at this stage of these guys' careers that something happens and the year's done. And I just think you need to go for it now. So you need to look at shifting Galchenyuk and Bukestad for that $9 million cap space that they're going to have for whatever comes in to fill that space. You're not shifting it Yeah, it, it doesn't out. have to be Taylor Hall. There can be other Correct. options, too, and we'll That's... see how things play out. And I'll do a little bit more digging into some of those players, but obviously when you get the news that Cheryl's going to listen to offers, I mean, yeah, he's the guy right now worth talking about. Yeah, but that's the that's the thing. Like, there are definitely things to, to move. Rutherford will, will do something. I, I just I genuinely wonder at times whether they get there and they're comfortably in second or third in the division and they go, well, this team's running pretty well. There's no point changing it. And I just go, no. Always look to improve your roster. The, the, the question is, I think at times you and I definitely have a different point of view of what's required to win NHL games than what... <laughs> Rutherford does, and I think him and Sullivan are on the same page, which is a good thing, because you need your general manager and your coach to be on the same page. I just don't necessarily agree with what that page is. Are they? Feels like it. Galchenyuk doesn't feel like that. Yeah, but it was. it's not Phil, and quite clearly that was a sore point. So, um, but... To Rutherford's credit, Cahoon is playing well. Yeah, it was a good um, get again. Thank you, Sam. And him showing like signs of being okay uh, gives you a little bit more to play around with. Uh, Dominic Simone is going to... like He is what he is. Um, he's not a top-line player. He, he's the kind of player you can put on a top line as a complementary piece to spread the wealth. 
but he doesn't score goals. He's a, more of a possession guy and make a clever. Um, oh, I feel like he's a secondary. He's something. a secondary assist player. Yep, that's he, he literally will get his points from secondary assists. He puts the puck in a spot for Sid to do something creative and somebody else scores. That's literally how it feels. And, and He's a placeholder, and, and there's value in a placeholder at 700K. Because you can then shift somebody that you would feel might have to be up the lineup, down the lineup, and give you a little bit more depth. You know, I, I don't expect that from a Lafferty or something like that, whereas you get that with... Simone, because fundamentally, the way he produces when he's not up there is a fourth-line guy, maybe a third-line guy. So that's the issue you're going to have in in that environment. So you almost need him up to get anything out of him. Otherwise, he's just another one of those bottom six forwards that you you pray. I think he's a decent bottom six forward, personally. I still don't think you're going to get actual production out of him, though. Well, you uh, well, if we go on your two lines and then the neutral, he's, then that's he's fine. A, yes. He's a candidate for that neutral. Yes, absolutely. I, I'll give him. I'll give him that. He's definitely a candidate for that neutral line where you're not going to get burnt. Absolutely. But I don't think you should have Jack Johnson and Galchenyuk out there together at the same time. To be honest. I mean, you could say that about Jack Johnson and any player. I, I get that. Let's just say uh, I think it exacerbates the problem of one and the other. <laughs> um, I'll give I'll really? give the Penguins this when when they're healthy and they put Jack Johnson into the bottom pairing. It wasn't as bad, and the other better forwards weren't punished as much. Correct. That's a really really That's, good point. But what standard are we really talking about for a three point two five million dollar player? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We it's like the standard. people waiting in the weeds for Johnson. See, see, and it's like, dude, they're deploying him like he's, you know, cap, cap hit, cap hit matters in a in a hard cap world. You've got to produce to a particular value because that's the way the cap works. It's not like there's a luxury tax where you can go, all right, we've just you know overspent and we have to pay a tax on it, and you, you put up with that kind of production as a third third pairing defenseman. It doesn't work that way in the NHL. So, you know, I'll leave it oh. at that. So, um, yeah. What else would you like to spitball about? Um, as far as the Penguins go. Yeah. Anything in particular? No, they're just getting healthier. It's about time. Uh, Schultz and Rust are back in the lineup tonight. That's that's good for them. Hornquist is out long term. I mean, I don't know what to say about that. It's I said it before that extension was signed. His style of play and his body and you know I I have yep. criticisms even when healthy, but yeah, I think the risk was this. More and this more. was yep. This is the exact risk and. That's 5.2 mil. Yep, that you're maybe going to get 50 games out of. So, you know. And when he comes back, he's not like Gino. When Gino plays 50 games, and and that's the, you know, because it's a legit criticism with Malkin. He just hasn't been able to stay in one piece. So, Hawkwist isn't the same sort of player coming back. You're up. It's 5.3 for less than half a year. 
But again, I will resort back to underlying numbers are promising. If they can get healthy and make a few tweaks or, God forbid, get the big fish, like yeah, they're cooking with fire again. And a lot of it has to do with Rutherford going back to the formula that won the two cups with speed, which yep. makes the last two years so goddamn frustrating. So I don't know how much credit I want to give to someone who bailed on what was obviously working. Why reinvent the wheel? So, um, you know, but yes, goaltending has let them down more so Murray, obviously, but Murray is the starter and had been playing more. And I think they lost some standing points where they played really good and got nothing. Yeah, those games hurt. Like, goalies seem to get a lot of credit for games that they steal, but I think goalies have to have multiple games of burning points before people will point the finger. And quite clearly, that was the case in Pittsburgh with Fleury. You know, the personality type that he was uh, gave him an awfully long rope. (laughs) And um, Murray was kind of getting the same sort of rope in the media of late. But I think it's starting to highlight with Pittsburgh's injuries. They kind of can't afford to be burning no, points there's no, in games that they're winning. There's no grace area. They they need average goaltending at a yeah. at a low bar because the injuries have been outrageous, and they've done a really yeah. nice job dealing with it. To be to be honest, and, uh, so. We'll see where this goes. Uh, Phil Kessel, you know, period one down, 0-0. Zero, zero. I saw Phil backdoor power play. Didn't quite uh, get it how he wanted. He really probably should have scored on it. And, you know, it's fun. I, I'm i enjoying, as, as we're recording, watching him on the ice. Uh, he's he's had a few where he's uh, streak, streaking up the wing with, with some good speed. Um, so... But uh, might be it for me. Yeah, I think that might do us for today. We actually managed to get it in, which was impressive. So, cool. We'll um, see what the Penguins do. I'll be paying attention to Taylor Hall rumors. And, (laughs) you know, we'll see what other potential available players are out there because this roster is definitely not going to be the one that enters the playoffs. Rutherford is going to make some some trades. So we'll we'll see what they are, we'll see what needs they have, and we'll see if um you know, if their players stop dying. <laughs> <laughs> so I blame Galchenyuk because basically Spiderbite was always gonna curse the year. Oh my god. Yeah. Spider bite. <laughs> you can't do much about that. So Alright. See you next time. See you guys.